Hi, and welcome to episode number 223 of the Savvy Social Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping passion-led online business owners and entrepreneurs learn how to use social media as a tool to grow your business. I'm your host, Andrea Jones, and I'm fiercely committed to helping you understand both the how and the why of social media marketing so that you can create connection, build community, and make your difference in the world. The show is brought to you by Syndable, which is the tool my team and I use every day to schedule our posts and analyze our results. You can try them out for yourself by going to onlinedrea.com slash Syndable. And you can click any of the links I mentioned in today's episode in our show notes, onlinedrea.com slash 223. Now today, I'm starting a new series all about how to outsource your social media. This is something that I like tested on TikTok, actually posted them to Instagram. So y'all, the repurposing is working. I got such a great response earlier this year that I'm expanding upon it into this podcast series. And today we're talking all about how to prepare to hire social media support. I want to talk about what you need to think about, some of the things, some of the signals you'll need to analyze if you're ready for social media support, and how to really prepare to hire the right person so that you actually see success and results. And one of the challenges with hiring someone to do your social media is if you don't kind of know what to look for, what to expect, you could just be spending money for funsies. And I don't want you to do that. I want you to actually spend money and see a return on that investment. All right. So I actually was scrolling through Facebook this week and I saw a post that really, really deeply resonated with how many of my clients are feeling right now. I ended up leaving a comment on the post and it felt really um, like a good transition into this series. But this person in a Facebook group said they really, really dislike social media. How many of you are out there feeling the same thing? Like social media not your jam. You're not feeling it. This person said it felt like eating junk food. (laughs) Like They like the nourishing parts of their business where they can do deep work, um, where they can really you know, dive into content. I think this person specifically said newsletters, but whether that's a blog or a podcast or whatever it is, it's like that deep work that you can really spend time on. And then actually like going to social media to talk about your stuff feels like junk food. There's not enough time. You're not sure how to take like large concepts and boil it down into like a 60 second video. And then it feels like you're just wasting time scrolling. You're not sure what you're supposed to post or what you're supposed to be doing on the platforms. Or maybe you even have been spending a lot of time and you see the value, but you your business is growing and you're like, I just don't have time to spend on social. I need to outsource this. So if you're thinking of any of those things, it's time to start thinking about outsourcing your social media. Now, the first thing that I want you to think about when you're considering outsourcing your social is the role that social media plays in your business. Okay. And whether you're outsourcing or not, you need to understand this very, very deeply, the role that social media plays in your business. So I'll give you a few examples, but I want you to think about what this means for you. So even pause this episode and think about what this means for you. So for example, if you are a speaker and you make money doing speaking gigs, that means you go out, you speak, you get, you know, a couple thousand dollars paycheck or a couple hundred dollars paycheck because you showed up and you shared your, your intellectual property. You shared your, your frameworks, your approach. You're speaking whether virtually, um, in your home or whether you go on location and speak. So social media for you 
is to build awareness. It is to build your reputation. It is to share an example of what's possible. Maybe it's even to connect with event organizers or potential collaboration partners. But in reality, it's to show that you know your stuff so that if someone comes searching for you, and they're thinking about booking you to speak, they can look at your videos, they can see your LinkedIn posts and go, oh, this person knows what they're doing. Yes, I feel comfortable paying them $10,000 to be a keynote speaker at my event. Okay. The role that social media plays in the speaking business is awareness and reputation building. So when you're thinking about hiring someone, those are the metrics that you're looking for. And we'll talk deeper about this as we go into this episode. Okay, different scenario. Let's say you're an e-commerce business owner. Um, if you're an e-commerce business owner, your role that social media plays is probably conversions. Like straight up, if you sell candles, you're selling candles on Instagram or TikTok or wherever, right? So your metric is conversions. So if people find you, they're looking for candles. How you know social media is working is people use like an Instagram code or something and they come over from Instagram or TikTok and they go to your website and they buy a candle. Okay, so it's straight up conversion. Third example is a service-based business owner. This is a lot of what we work with. We typically work in my company with either speakers or service-based business owners, consultants. And the, the metric for you is connection. So if you're a service-based business owner, I'm one of these. I am in this category. Um, my clients aren't typically on social media. Like they're way too busy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll listen to a podcast like this because they're also like dropping the kids off to school and they have a meeting in 30 minutes and they're trying to also do emails at the same time, right? So social media for service-based consultants or business owners is typically about connection. So we're actually sharing our expertise, but we're spending most of our time probably um, connecting with collaboration partners. So for me, for instance, this is people who are in PR, web designers, um, branding experts, graphic designers, videographers, like people who also serve my ideal client so that we can become referral networks for each other. So for me, social media is yes, reputation building. So I share what I know, but I also build a lot of connections and actually end up spending a lot of my time connecting. Okay. So those are three different examples of very different examples of the way that social media plays a role in different types of businesses. So Think about the role that social media plays in your business as well. Now, once you have that, we want to think about some key elements of our business because if we're handing this off to someone else, they need to fully, fully understand our business. And I'll, I'll talk more in part three of this series about how to work with this person. But before you hire someone, the person, the team, I want you to really analyze these things. So the first one is your marketing messages. Your marketing messages. What is the transformation that your work brings to the world? So we use this exercise in the Savvy Social School called the three W's. I'll talk about the three W's and the before and after exercise. So the three W's are this. What do you sell? Who is it for? And why does it matter? So what do you sell? Easy peasy. It should be really short. So for me, my services. Who is it for? Online business owners, specifically coaches, consultants, service-based business owners. The who is it for should be very specific. If you're thinking about who is it for and you have like moms, I want you to get deeper than that. Moms, 
where, moms, how, really think about who the who is it for and see if you can add some adjectives to what type of mom, busy mom, stressed out mom, overwhelmed mom. Okay. And then the why does it matter is key here. This is the transformation that your work brings. So why do they really need this? So when I'm talking about my services, for instance, typically it's people who are completely overwhelmed with social media and they want it off their plate. They don't want to think about it. Maybe they can add some things, you know, in the spirit of collaboration, but they really just don't want to have to fuss with it. Those are my people, right? The person who's like, I love Instagram and I want to show up on stories. My services aren't going to help you, even if you are an online business owner. Okay. So. Thinking about that transformation is really helpful. And if you get stuck here, I want to talk a little bit about the before and after strategy, the before and after strategy. So this before and after exercise is really helpful because it helps put you in the seat of the feelings that your clients and customers are feeling. So what are they feeling before working with you and how do they feel after? So for my services, for instance, before overwhelmed, stressed out, confused, frustrated by Instagram glitches, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. After they're feeling relief, they feel consistent and proud of that consistency. Um, they feel like they have time and space to do other things, right? So when we think about the befores and the afters, that can help build out those transformational messages, and you're actually building out training material for the person who's going to be taking over your accounts because they need to understand those things as well. All right. So outside of your marketing messages, I want you to also take a look at your branding. Um, You want to understand your brand holistically, both the voice and the visual representation of your brand. Okay. So when we think about the voice of your brand, what's the tone that you show up with online? What are the words that you say? You know, anyone who you're, you're outsourcing to, you will need to give them a little bit of direction here. But we'll also talk about how they can source that themselves as well. So you need to fully understand it and then live that. Um, so for example, with my brand, I think I'm very laid back. Um, it like branding wise, I have a very casual approach. Like if I stutter or stumble up my words or say the wrong thing, we're just going to keep it going. <laughs> we, we keep, we keep it rolling here. <laughs> Um, I think if I were to describe it more of like a girl next door vibe. So when I'm talking to my copywriter, um, and by the way, y'all, I outsource my social media. I show up maybe 20% of the time. The other 80% is my team. So if it seems like I'm everywhere, that's, that's this working. This process is working. So when I'm talking to my copywriter, and if I see something too buttoned up, I may, you know, give them feedback on how to relax it. So I say y'alls a lot. Um, I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be like, I may say something like that, right? Um, you know, there may be partial sentences. This isn't super stuffy. Um, and so when I'm sharing that with my team, they embed it into my post. That's why they sound like me. That's why it looks like me, my emails, all of my marketing, right? This is this process in action. But then also the visual aspects of it as well. Um, We've been talking internally about this, and I may do a whole another side podcast episode about this. But there's a trend, and I predicted this last year, there's a trend online right now where people don't want to look like it's too 
much effort. Like they want us to be effortless. So Instagram specifically was like this perfectly curated, polished photo shoot situation. And now it's like, I'm in my car. I woke up like this, you know, like this is natural. Um, and I'm calling this temporarily the Kardashian effect where people look at them and go, Oh, they, you know, look at that selfie. They look great. But what they don't realize is like, not only do they have a photographer that the photos are heavily edited. This was planned months ago, but they also like physically changed their bodies <laughs> through diet and surgery to look the way they do effortlessly. And those are air quotes, y'all effortlessly. And so there's this trend on social media with the rise of TikTok um, and with the shift in Instagram content for content to feel effortless. But in order for it to feel effortless and not a hot mess, there's branding involved. Um, so how do you want it to look? Do all the posts have the same filter? Are they in the similar location, similar lighting? Um, is there logos? What do the branded posts look like? Even right now, there's a trend where people are using like screenshots of their notes app. Um, but that's a very specific choice. Even the emojis that you use, specific choices. So how do you want that to show up on social media? You want to start giving that some thought so that when you're collaborating with the team, they can really help bring that to life for you. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about how that team can really help amplify your business, some metrics of success you should look for, and how to collaborate in the best way possible. We'll be back soon. Imagine a world where your social media is completely taken off of your plate, things are consistent, you're showing up on all of the major platforms, and all you have to do is show up in your favorite way possible, whether that be your podcast, your blog, your newsletter. Well, that world is a reality for a lot of my clients, and I want it to be a reality for you too. Here's what some of our clients said about working with us. To some degree, Andrea, I mean, yes, we do, you know, work together to some degree too, because full disclosure, her company helps us with our social media and has for a long time. So we do have a working relationship. Online Drea offered a community of support in which I knew I was being taken care of. I knew that I was understood at a deep level because we shared these values. The beauty of working with this team is the fact that they spend the time to get to know you as a person, your heart as an entrepreneur. If you're ready for a team who can handle your social media, help you get better results in your business and help you grow, come work with us. Head on over to the website onlinedrea.com and click services in the navigation bar. All right, back to the show. All right, we're back. So I want to talk a little bit about how this team can show up like you online and how my team does it, honestly, because hint, hint, if you're listening to this episode, I want you to work with us too. But also I'm giving you tons of value, whether you work like whoever you work with. Um, so we use this process called the digital brain and we teach this inside of the savvy social school as well. But creating your digital brain is where your intellectual property lives. Okay. It is your home. It is where your thoughts, your concepts, your framework, your approach to your work, where it lives in this digital space. Now, this can be anything. For me, it's the podcast. 
I spend a lot of research, time, and effort developing these podcast episodes. And this is how my team knows I say y'all. This is how my team knows I'm a drag race fan, right? This is how my team knows all the little things that they like embed into my social posts and in my emails so that y'all think I'm writing them. And I don't. (laughs) They do. Uh, But that's because I spend a lot of time crafting this podcast episode. So where does your intellectual property live? I think the danger with outsourcing is if you don't have this, then you have to create it as you go. And some people find this very frustrating. But literally, I was talking to a client right before this call. and She was talking about how can I get y'all to know what I wake up thinking? Right. And the only way to do that is to have it live somewhere. It has to have a home. So I want to give you a few examples of how we do this for our clients. Um, one of my favorite examples that I'll always use is Cara Lowenthal. Unfuck Your Brain is her business, her podcast. And if you go to Cara's Instagram at the time of recording this, we've been working with her for almost three years, a bit over two and a half years. Everything in her feed, 99% of it is my team. And it looks and sounds like it's her because we use her podcast. So she spends a lot of time creating her podcast content. She has hundreds of episodes that we mine for her thoughts. And we can say things on social media that sound like her because they are her exact words. Okay. We don't add any words that she's never said. Um, we use the exact words that she uses in her podcast to build out her posts. Okay. So this is an example of a digital brain. It's a great example of one because Kara doesn't really have time to show up in other ways. Like she does some of her stories or most of her stories, I should say, but her feed, she doesn't have time to sit and write out a post. Um, if she's launching, like right now she's launching her, like at the time of recording this, it'll already be launched, but her, um, feminist coaching, um, certification program. And she um, doesn't have time to like write out a post about it, right? So we write it for her, but she's launched this program. This will be the third time. So we have a history of her talking about the program. We can pull video clips of her talking about the program, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a really great example of it. And I like to use Kara as well because she's a very specific way of talking. Um, she is a Harvard graduate. She went to law school. She went to Yale. Um, she has degrees on degrees, very smart person. We are not lawyers. <laughs> we are not as smart as she is. <laughs> so my team is able to comb her content and really show up as her in a great representation of her online because of her digital brain. So I'll give a few other examples. Um, actually, I'll just give one other example here. Uh, if you don't have a digital brain which is our client Afrosexology. Also can look them up on Instagram. We've been working with them for about a year, a little less than a year. And they don't really have a digital brain. They do some newsletters, some blog posts, some workshops, um, but most of their content is new. And it's very nuanced. They have a very nuanced approach to... um, They are a sex-positive brand, specifically for Black folks. And it is a sensitive topic because they want to be very aware of how people talk about sex in a very positive way. They don't want to assume gender or genitals or, you know, assume anything about relationships. Um, but it's all about exploring that. 
And so my team uses Boxer to be able to capture the client's thoughts. So every week we give them two to three prompts and say, what do you think about this self-pleasure? What do you think about toys? What do you think about um, oral sex? And the client will then give us a Voxer note, which is a voice app. It's like walkie-talkie. So they'll respond to those prompts. We'll download them, transcribe them, and that turns into content. And so you can see how over the months and years that we're going to be working with them, we will have a backlog of content that we can pull from. So even if you don't have a digital brain already, like for instance, I have 223 episodes. So someone coming in now, there's lots there. You may not have that. Find ways to collaborate with someone, especially if you're a personal brand, so that they can understand what you're thinking and how they can turn that into social content. The biggest challenge that we have with clients, I'll just be straight up, and that you may have with someone that you're looking to hire is if you do not have a recording of your thoughts. So sometimes there's this expectation that you hire someone and they'll come in, they'll look at your website, and they'll be able to post on social. And it doesn't work that way. Websites are very static. Um, and websites don't have the personal flair that social can have. Social can be fun. There's memes, there's jokes, there's lightheartedness there. And sometimes we think that that can, like someone can just, we can tell them, oh, I'm funky. And then they can go and like post that on social. But funky is subjective. And they need examples of what funky looks like to you. So we find our best clients have this digital brain ready to go. And if you don't, be prepared to collaborate with whoever you hire to develop this resource. Now let's talk about success because, you know, we talked about the preparation of it all, but I want you to also think about what does success look like? as you're hiring someone. And when I'm in a sales call with a potential client, I always ask this question. Because if they say, I want a million followers in three months and we're starting from zero, it's not going to happen. Even with all the ad spend in the world, that's very, very challenging. So what I suggest instead is to start thinking about what success actually looks like and for your business. Okay, I'm not... I don't typically work with people because they're on social media for funsies. (laughs) If you are, good for you. Great. You don't need to hire an outsource. Just have fun, right? But if you are here to make money and grow your business, you have to answer that question. What does that look like? So I want to start with the funnel and how people find you. And again, I ask this in my sales calls. So um, I want to understand how people find you. And you need to understand this. So if, for instance, your business is referral-based and you're layering in social media, you don't have a history of success with getting clients from social media. So you need to be very strategic about setting up some some milestones along the way with the team that you're working with. Because if you haven't done it before, we got some testing to do because it hasn't been done before. If you have had success with using social media as a tool to grow your business, what is the path that individuals or companies take before working with you. So for example, if you are that speaker and you know that it builds awareness, if someone finds you, how do they then hire you to speak? What are the steps? We need to understand that. So they let's say they find you on LinkedIn. 
what do they do? Go to your website? Do they fill out a contact form? Do they send you a direct message? Like we really need to get clear here on the steps. If you're an e-commerce brand um, and you sell those candles, if a new person finds you today, when do they then buy a candle? And what are the steps along the way? And when we onboard our new clients, we audit these steps. So if they land on your Instagram profile, do they know what you sell? Do they know why your candles are different from every other candle out there? If they then visit your website, are they signing up for that initial coupon code? If they add things to their cart, do you send them a reminder of things that are in their cart? Because if we are driving traffic to your website, you need to be able to convert that traffic so that we can stay your clients and so that you can make your money, right? If we do all of the beautiful things on social media and people aren't becoming clients or customers because of it, then again, social media is just for funsies and I'm here to help you build your business. So you need to understand that. Um, if you're a service-based business, for instance, when people find you, do they connect with you? If your whole goal is connections, let's start measuring that. How many DMs are you getting? How many comments are you getting? Are people filling out your contact form? Are you getting referrals? Uh, are people tagging you in posts when they say, do you know someone who does graphic design and someone's tagging you in that post, right? So that's your funnel when you think about that. And, and then we can reverse engineer it. So if we know what the path is, then in our social posts, we can speak to that next step. So if you're looking to hire a speaker, fill out my contact form. If you want a candle and you're a new customer, here's a coupon code for 10% off your first order. If you are a collaboration partner, um, you know, I'm now hiring for new clients. Can you connect me with someone who you know? Like we know what to ask for on social media because we understand the, the journey, the customer journey that they go through. So when you're thinking about outsourcing social media, think about that funnel piece. And then also start thinking about some metrics of success. And I think I did a whole podcast episode on this. And I'll link it in the show notes. But I want you to think about some of these things. Because it's so easy to look at follower numbers and be like, Yay, it worked. And if it's all the wrong followers, it did not work. I love to use the example of this model who had over a million people on her Instagram. And she tried to sell t-shirts and did not sell one t-shirt at all. Because her followers were all, let's be frank, men oogling, ogling her body. How do you say that? Oogling, ogling. Someone DM me on Instagram and tell me how to say that word at online Drea. So they were just looking at her. She was pretty to look at and that's fine. That's great. But when it came time to sell something, she couldn't sell it. So when you're thinking about followers, followers is one metric and it can be a good indicator of success, right? People have a certain number of followers. They do have a certain number of success. Sure. But there are four other metrics to look at, four other buckets of metrics. I like to look at audience. I like to also look at impressions and reach. So these are the people who view your content. How many people viewed your content? How many times they view it? If no one's looking at your content, then we've got to address that issue. I also like to look at engagement, um, especially depending, like depending on what kind of brand you have. The algorithm loves engagement, number one. But number two, as you're building a community, you want people to like leave comments and participate with you on social media. I also like to look at intent. This one's huge. So if people aren't converting, are they even taking the first step towards conversion? Um, if you're thinking about Instagram, for instance, and you say, click the link in my bio, 
Are people even going to your profile first? Are they tapping on that link in your bio? Before we even look at conversions on the website, we want to look at intent. Um, and so some of those things can really help us troubleshoot results. And then lastly, conversions. I love to use Google Analytics for this, though with the recent changes, y'all may hear a podcast episode next year about other tools that I'm using instead. But for now, Google Analytics, I like to see how long people are on the page, um, you know, what pages they're going to, what platforms are they coming from. If I see a whole bunch of people coming from LinkedIn and I'm not spending enough time there and I'm spending way too much time on Instagram and not seeing people come over from that platform, I need to shift focus, right? So I want to look at conversions and be able to make educated decisions from there. So this podcast episode gave you a lot to think about as you're starting to figure out who to hire, how to hire them. So I want to give you a few final thoughts. In the next episode, I'm going to talk to you about how to decide who to hire. But just know this, no one's going to do it the way that you're going to do it. Okay, They may do it better. They probably will do it differently. Um, and the rate of measurement here is like, if they could get like, A minus B plus area, we're golden, right? If they're, you know, 80, 85% of the way there, that's great. Um, They can help you take that off your plate. And this is really for any team member. This is something I learned as I built out my team of 15. Um, No one's going to do it your way. We want to get them to do it better, but that takes time, at least three to six months of training someone. So when you're thinking about it, we can reduce that time by hiring agencies or higher level professionals, but they still need time to figure out your brand. If you're hiring a full-time person or a virtual assistant, like a lower level person, extend that to nine months to a year, you know? So think about that, preparing them with the branding, preparing your digital brain and more. In the next episode, I'm going to talk about how to find the right person. Do you need a VA? Do you need a freelancer? Do you need an agency? Do you need a full-time person in your business? Let's talk about it next week. I'll see you then. Bye for now.